Hello, you're listening to Lady Time. I'm your host, Jill McGregor, and my guest today is Tim Howden. Timothy is a naturopathic physician practicing in the Yarra Valley in Australia. He has been practicing since 2007 with a focus on pediatric and family care. His areas of expertise are gut and immune dysregulation with an emphasis on chronic disease. He is an integrative practitioner working alongside other medical specialists to deliver positive outcomes in an holistic framework. You're very welcome, Tim. It's so lovely to oh, have you thanks on. Thanks for having me, Jill. I know we're in very different oh, it's, time it's zones here. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on because your work is very very interesting, and we're going to get into that uh, more later. Uh, my cousin, as you know, uh, wanted us really to connect because he uh, really loves your work. But uh, first of all, I know that you have a great love of nature, and I'd love you to tell us a little bit about your experience as working with nature and being in nature because I think it sort of forms the backdrop to a lot of your work what we've been talking about so far and what I've read about you of your work on your website and other places so tell us a little bit about your love of nature all right Jill well thanks again it's lovely to be on the show um I guess Naturopath is nature doctor, and uh, I, I, I live in a place called the Central Highlands, which is home to the tallest flowering trees in the world. And so I'm fortunate to live on a, a little farmlet that, that sits on the edge of a big, beautiful, old, ancient forest that filters significant amounts of water for Melbourne and is the lungs to Melbourne. And all around me are wonderful examples of flora and fauna that, uh, you know, just blow my mind as the seasons roll in and roll out. And I guess that's, that's very much interconnected with my work primarily as a herbalist um, and a herbal medicine practitioner, uh, observing how plants grow and recognising that the ways we can use plants is actually very much in sync with the seasons that they come into flower on the seasons we harvest them um, and prepare the plants for, for the, how they can be used in the body. So, but the other thing I guess deeper than that is we are teeming with nature and diversity on our skin and in our bodies. We have trillions and trillions of different uh, microbes, fungi, virus, bacteria in our body. In fact, on a DNA level, we are we're more non-human than we are human. And so we're piggybacking around this entire ecosystem. So our connection with the external world is very much connected with our connection to ourselves. And for me, the two things sync up beautifully, yin and yang. And my work is about trying to resonate that to bring balance, harmony, and move people forward in their health and well-being. That's a, a really interesting way of looking even at our bodies, because in some ways, um, maybe more in the Western world, and you, it's, you sounds like you live in a really fabulous place. You were saying earlier, it's like a little microclimate as well. But we are a little bit removed from our natural beginnings, especially if you live in a city or in a, even in a town or whatever, is not so much surrounded by nature. I mean, I'm lucky here in Ireland, in the West of Ireland, that I'm a bit more closer to nature, but it is a very interesting and lovely way that you describe us as human beings, because we are a part of nature and we're often divorced from nature these days in the way that we live. So it's really good to be reminded of that again. You mentioned to me earlier that really what set you off on your path into that 
uh, into your work is that you had a daytime TV epiphany. Would you tell our listeners about that? <laughs> because <laughs> it was uh, really, so. it was funny, but it is also, you were young when this happened and you were definitely meant to be on the path you're on, I think anyway. Absolutely. I'd love to share that story. That's, um, I, I was probably in, in my late teens or early 20s and I, I had finished school and I had travelled to Europe with a backpack and, and I came back and I, was, I wasn't very comfortable with following the, the normal pattern of, well, you, you go to university to get a degree, an arts degree, that then you can fall back on that and build something, work out what you want to do later. I wanted to work out, now hang on, what, what's my vocation? What, what am I here for? So I was, I guess I was, and I, I'm a big feeler, like I, I feel things very intensely. So um, I was, you know, probably despondent and depressed is a, and, and on the couch watching daytime television and Oprah came on. So that's what you watch in the middle of the day. And on Oprah, uh, a physician came on. He was an Ayurvedic physician and his name was Deepak Chopra and it was his maiden television appearance. And he started talking about some really interesting concepts that got me to sit up, which were very holistic Ayurvedic concepts around the body having its own internal pharmacy that could make vitamins and hormones and neurotransmitters and compounds that give us energy, make us feel happy, um, help us sleep better. And conversely, if we, if we put the wrong type of foods or we, we, we partake in the wrong type of activity for ourselves, because um, we're all a little bit unique or we, we have patterns of, of the way our bodies metabolize things, then our body might make uh, compounds that, that deplete our energy or affect our sleep. And, and that really was a light went on. And what I realized is that steered me into the course of practicing Iyengar yoga for many, many years, learning about uh, biodynamic and organic gardening um, traveling around Australia um, as, as a young family with, with a young baby working on organic farms. And then ultimately the full circle came when I saw a naturopath. I was in Western Australia in a very remote place called Denmark, actually. And I saw a naturopath there and, and everything lined up. And I went, oh, that's the aha moment. I meant to go and be a naturopath. And I guess... I, I always think that when we're seeking something fundamental in life, the doors will open, but they won't always open in a way that's necessarily pleasurable. It will be a challenge that might bring up some sort of fear response that is almost a rite of passage. So when I realized I had to be a naturopath, my fear was, oh, I didn't do any science at school and I'm going to do a science degree. And I remember looking at, the 60 units that I had to study at university level and I'd never done any science at school. And for me, that was really, really, you know, significant, but I did it. And uh, ever since I started studying and I've been practicing from the day I graduated um, because it resonates with my core values. And I, I just, I just, it's beautiful helping people in, 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 in a way that does no harm, that accentuates their innate capacity to heal and move forward with health and, and well-being. So that's, that's my little epiphany where it took me. <laughs> that was some epiphany, Tim. I, I love it. I love that story. And um, just the way that, uh, in a way, naturopathic medicine found you. It's almost, it comes across that way to me anyway. Um, explain what naturopathic medicine is because there's a lot, there's a lot to it. There's many elements. You said 60 various different modules mm -hmm. that you had to learn. And that's a lot because you must have had to really study very much deeply into the body. So explain what naturopathic medicine sure. is and the different elements that you would work with in it. Great, great. I love that question. Thanks, Jill. 
So, so naturopathy really is an umbrella term that really sees that uh, there is an inherent vital force or energy. Uh, the Chinese will call it qi. Um, the Ayurvedic practitioners will call it prana. There's this inherent energy in the body that has the capacity to self-heal. Well, Western medicine will call it homeostasis. So in naturopathic medicine, we, we use a range of modalities to realign the body with its inherent balance so that vitality is increased. So vitality is, is just generally how well you feel. So with naturopathic medicine, there's herbal medicine, there's homeopathic medicine, there's nutritional medicine, there's dietary medicine, environmental medicine. And we study um, anatomy and physiology, biochemistry, pharmacology. So we, we, we get a very robust understanding of the way the body works, but also look to using plant medicine predominantly um, to heal the body. And so... I, what, I, what I find interesting is that as time goes on, plant medicine seems to become more and more popular. And really, I think a lot of people are unaware that up to 30% of pharmaceutical drugs have an origin in a plant. Um, so naturopathic medicine is an old form of medicine, probably really stems from... Mm, there's, there's a few places it comes from, actually. But um, I guess Western, Western herbal medicine is, is a predominant thing that I study. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's a rigorous way of employing natural remedies to help people resolve illness and regain their vitality. Mm, that's a, a really great cap, uh, capture of of it, really, uh, in the last sentence, you know, because we really do want to regain balance within our systems. And it's so easy to go off balance, especially in this current uh, sort of day and age and climate and our modern world. Uh, you... It is, it is. Uh, I think there's, there's one other way, easiest way to say, that I've come across recently is we want to increase the rate of cellular repair relative to the rate of damage. So if we can understand that concept, so um, most chronic illnesses have a higher rate of damage compared to the rate of repair. And what I do predominantly in my work is in, increase that rate of repair. And that correlates with people addressing the root cause of their illness, not just playing with the symptoms. And so most people will come to me because they no longer want a symptomatic treatment. They want to understand why they're unwell and treat the root cause. And naturopathic medicine is incredible at doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's for that reason I've been practicing since 2007. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting the, that what you just said about having the, the rate of cellular regeneration uh, as as fast almost as the degeneration as such. And I wonder, and I'm sure this is another uh, aspect to it, is our mindset involved in that. Because as you said that, I realized, and we were speaking earlier about, you know, aging and getting older be before we began the podcast, that I've noticed that my mindset has changed more toward, oh, my God, I'm getting older. Oh, this won't get uh, uh, healed as quickly. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I'm just wondering, because when I was younger, I just thought, oh, yeah, I've got this. How am I going to clear this? How am I going to heal it? And I never doubted that it would be healed and everything was always healed. So I wonder, do you, do you work as well with the mindset? Because we do tend to get locked in. 
in, yes. as we get older. And does that play into the, the, the cellular generation and degeneration as well? It's a great question because, so in my paediatric work, the, the capacity to improve the regeneration of cells is, is, is swift and is, is fast acting and highly successful. In older demographics, the trick is to get the patients to recognize or understand that or face their fear of death because we're all going to die. So when we hit certain ages, if we can move into a deeper part of ourselves that can recognize that we are part of a greater symphonic whole that is so gloriously complex and magical and enigmatic that we can transcend oh, you know, my body's getting older or, or we can move beyond, I need to stay looking young. I need to, how do I keep myself looking? Because, I mean, that's the beautiful thing with age is we develop wisdom and, and we can let go of the small things, you see, and, and, and we can just have those little moments where we can soften into ourselves. It's okay. And, and tra traditional cultures celebrated death. The Tibetans reflect on death daily and not in a morbid way but in a celebratory way because this is this is the natural order of everything so and i do that up here by walking through the forest everywhere there is signs of life and death and it's a beautiful balance so the fire can come through and cause great carnage but these beautiful tall eucalyptus regnans the only way the seeds germinate is from a bushfire. That's the only way you can germinate them. So there is a natural balance to bring life after. So I think that's 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 the trick is to try and um, and certainly I'm doing that myself. You know, reflecting more on that as time goes by. You know, as time goes by, but still with good vitality. <laughs> yeah. It's so important. You, you've actually given me a, a little bit of an epiphany myself. I can even feel the energy shift very deep in me when you mentioned that it is actually about, it sounds a little bit cliche to say embrace, but I can't think of a better word at the moment. But we do need to embrace the fact that we will die, that we will get older. But we don't, like you say, need to lose vitality. We really don't need to. And uh, it's just a little switch in the perspective, in the switch in, in the way that you look at life. Because it's quite easy to spiral down into, oh, I'm getting older. And as, I, as we were chatting earlier, and I just, I mean, I'm 60 a couple of weeks ago and I felt it was so different to turn in 50. And uh, any of us like go through this period in our lives. But since coming to this age now, I realize, you know what? I really am in possibly the last third of my life. Or if you want to stretch it out, you could still actually be in the second half of your life if you really, really revitalized yourself enough. To live to be 120 or whatever but um still i needed to, i know i needed to accept it and i'm really beginning to accept it but like that you know to keep increasing the vitality and you know just on that even as a woman i think also when we were talking you mentioned perimenopause and menopause and men also go through as far as i understand uh a similar a thing called the andropause, I think. And um, you were talking about the importance of the wisdom and uh, working with creativity as you come into yep. that time in your life. I certainly feel more creative, not necessarily artistically, but much more creative and much more 
comfortable in my own skin. Would you talk a little bit about uh, perimenopause and menopause and even what happens to men as well, if you work with that too? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, there, there's a there's a natural sort of hormonal shift. It's interesting. Women, uh, estrogen will decrease and testosterone will go up and the reverse will happen in men. So this is an interesting shift. And it's, I've had this thought that I've never really, I've never really look, looked into it or read or read, but I've always thought, I wonder how different the world would be if predominantly uh, our elders that were making significant decisions, if it was skewed that there were more females making those decisions and men, men were still just, just doing more active things, but also with a, with a role of wisdom, I think. So, so I think those hormones shift and that's a natural ebb and flow and a natural balance. Um, I think, look, what I've observed in, in this is just one aspect, so not to get too bogged down in the physiology of it, but women that have a good creative outlet and are engaged in good social connection, um, usually go through menopause in a much more balanced manner. Men are a different kettle of fish because we tend to be, we need to break down poor communication um, patterns that have evolved for various reasons over multiple generations. But men can also relax into having a creative output, but also I think there's a great need for men to be guiding younger, probably even men probably in their kind of 30s, mid-30s, just in a, acting as a slight guide role there. Because in the 30s, mid-30s, it's tricky because you you still got a lot of energy like a, a, a vibrant young man, but you're sort of starting to realise you need to have, you need to be a bit more responsible with the way you're living your life. And I think so having an elder act as a little bit of a guidepost uh, can be beneficial. But, but certainly when I see men of that demographic there's specific health things that I will tell them that are beneficial that they can do to look after their prostate health um, and certain exercises they can do and foods they can eat. But also there's certain ways to uh, reflect and consider how they want to engage and move forward in their community life and their community networks. Um, I generally, I, I will inquire on the networks that women have but most of the time women are much better at making networks than men. Not always, but most of the time you're very good at it. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we, could, we could definitely, we could learn from that. But look, it's a transition, isn't it? You're moving into that, that wonderful space of, of, of having that wonderful, wonderful insight from years of life experience. Yeah. So it should be celebrated. Yeah, it, it's definitely... Been, I, I think once I got into my 50s, I, I was definitely, I just felt better in life. Yeah, there's physical things that go on, but I definitely felt better. And you're maybe you're right. I never thought about it because I'm very sociable anyway, but I didn't have a, a very, I, I didn't have a very bad transition through the menopause. I mean, there was stuff, mm -hmm. all right, there was things, it was much more emotional, actually, and looking back over life and then like, oh, what's the next stage? But um, but yeah, we, we detracted a little bit there because I just thought that was interesting what you had said to me mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. Now, you uh, very much wanted to uh, work with children and you specialize in pediatrics. Uh, in your work, um, tell me a little bit about that. Sure, sure. So um, the the reason why I got into specialising um, and making that an area of interest is twofold. The first thing is I have and had had organic children. That was my little joke. It was like 
Um, so I was comfortable treating uh, my daughter as a student with, with natural remedies and we, we took her to practitioners that, that used herbs and a lot of homeopathics. And so I felt very comfortable. Um, and when I, when I was doing my study, there wasn't much offered by way of pediatric. So I really had to take it on myself to go and um, seek mentorship and do some um, internship with, with other practitioners that were very experienced so I could, I could learn and I read a lot, um, but I through that um, I, I love working with kids because they're they're delightful. They're they they change so rapidly. They generally heal very fast. So my 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 uh, motivation is that. And I started a lot with atopic disease, which was eczema, asthma, and allergy. And so I've seen heaps of these kids come in with eczematic and they've had cortisone and they've had steroid treatment and, and they, they weren't getting any results. And so I developed really great protocols on how to treat eczema for children. And it, it just happened really fast. And parents were just, they were like, wow, we, we never knew. Um, so now to the point where I treat mums in their pregnancy and we can actually turn the genes off that, that go for a lot of these illnesses using um, nutrients. Um, and this is a concept called epigenetics, and, um, which is well documented. And, um, but still, a lot of people don't know about this. So the excitement with working with children is that they, they heal very fast and um, it's delightful when they still see me as young adults and they came in to see me with their parents when they were four or five. Um, so it's, it's, it's a nice kind of, you know, long-term, um, you know, professional relationship you can build. And, and you know, um, I'm just wondering, I don't think I have had any yet that have brought me their kids, but, you know, I'm sure it's just a matter of time really. So, yeah. You're still too young for that. <laughs> <laughs> another oh, you know. maybe another 15 years or something but that is incredible especially that um you work with the mum while she's pregnant and uh you know you can actually oh, yeah. work yeah. on the epigenetics I, i've heard of epigenetics i know very little but i know that this is you know where you're not really locked in to your inheritance within your genes exactly because we're kind of in a way led to believe that and maybe it's a bit of work to do that do you do you want to talk a little bit about that i'd love to i'd love to talk a little i mean the the, the principle in essence is is simple the nuts and bolts gets techy and and complex and i won't go into that because but it's essentially if you <laughs> We have genes that code for millions of things. And we have genes that express themselves for particular illnesses, say allergic illnesses or like asthma uh, or like hay fever. And you can actually turn those genes off by modulating the environment. And the environment is working with nutrition, and diet and lifestyle. So when a mother comes, the classic story, this is what happened so many times. The first child would come in eczematic, rashy, very irritated. We, we would fix the first child. And, and then I would say to the mum, okay, so if you're gonna have another baby, you're gonna come and see me from second trimester and I'm going to treat you and what the treatment, which is evidence-based, there's the scientific data to back this up. We use specific nutrients. And I always say this to, and I even still do this today, to all the pregnant women that come in. It's like, we make 100%, everything is safe. It's all cross-checked. There's no, we, we adhere to the Hippocratic Oath of first do no harm. So there's, it's all safe, but it's therapeutic. So the mum comes in on second trimester and we put on a particular regime of, of nutrients and we look at the diet and we make sure the diet is not, it's not inflammatory. We make sure there's uh, a filtered water and there's appropriate exercise. And, and sure enough, the second baby comes, 
second baby doesn't have eczema. Doesn't have eczema. That's amazing. It's like, no, it's not amazing. Yes, it is amazing. It's, it's, it is. It's phenomenal. But it's epigenetics. And you have manipulated the genes just by looking at your environment. So you've actually gone in to do the deep stuff and you've actually been brave enough to have a preventative approach rather than wait for things to come up. You've actually anticipated and taken action. And, you know, that is the best way to work for people in naturopathic medicine. My favourite patients are the ones that come in and go, I'm great. They come in every season. Um, I do a whole bunch of different tests and I, um, and and we can just we can just glean some information. How are they doing? Do they need anything? Um, and address any issues before it really anchors into the body, because the you know the definition when I was at school, acute illness is is between seven and fourteen days, and then after fourteen days, it becomes subacute and then it merges into chronic. And a significant portion of my patients you know, 80, 80, 80%, it's chronic. So it's chronic because we haven't addressed the early warning signs or we haven't recognised the role our environment plays. Um, And just going way back to the first part of our interview, you you don't need to live near an old growth forest to, to, to have that beautiful nature experience. You can take your shoes off and walk on the grass you can, you can have a couple of planter boxes and grow some herbs. You can get heirloom tomatoes and grow those tomatoes that have higher concentrations of the anti-cancer compound lycopene. You can, there's a whole bunch of things you can do. So, you, you know, and it's really beautiful seeing contemporary cities having vertical gardens. So I think there is more recognition that we are connected and nature is very important and, uh, yeah, those epigenetic factors are, 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 are really not that difficult to do. It's really made um, the whole idea of epigenetics, you've made it very simple. You know, it, it literally is simple. You treat the body, as you say, with good nutrition. You treat whatever needs to be done with it. Uh, you have your good water. You know, you uh, back in touch with nature even the vibration of that it's so you know I think I made it more complicated in my own mind and probably it seems like this sciencey subject that you would never understand but it's thank you for your really simple explanation of it because that's that's very very useful and uh, to make a pun of it it's epic you're right (laughs) it is amazing that you can do that it's truly, truly amazing. And uh, mm-hmm. it makes your work so valuable. I mean, really valuable. You, you, you must smile a lot with, with your work, you know, with what, what you achieve in it. Um, you mentioned, uh, we, we were talking earlier as well about, um, and maybe you've already gone over this anyway, Tim, but you wanted to define holism as well in the work. Now, you probably covered a good bit of it, but I don't want to miss anything that you really, really wanted to speak about on the podcast as well. But if you want to go into defining holism, if you feel that you haven't covered that already, please go ahead. I think it's the appreciation that we're we're not a machine. A lot of people will come and see me and they'll be like, you know, right, I've got this issue and I just want to fix it and like get to the root cause and fix the bit on my hip. It's like, well, it's not, it, it's about your hip, but, you know, we're, we're, we're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, communicable beings. So I think that holistic principle it's important to recognize that our emotions play a role in health and wellness and disease, um, as does our physicality, as does our mindset. And, um, and you know, one of the strong social determinants of long-term health in adults is, is the sense of community. So you can 
you can be a millionaire and eat biodynamic food and have all the gadgets you need, but be alone and your outcomes are likely to be less healthy than someone who is less well off than you are, but has a community around them. Um, I think that's a holistic principle that, that we are not just isolated and individual. And I think the, the trick is that the, the world, there's a lot of noise in the world at the moment with, uh, you know, our e-world and, and, and VR is virtual reality and, and you know, um, artificial intelligence, all these things are going to be becoming more and more prevalent. And the concern is they actually seek to isolate us more because we can tailor a unique experience of how we want to live our day, which is all about kind of pandering to our own kind of egoic sense rather than how we relate dynamically within a community. So I think holism addresses, a, a, you know, the latter. It's like we, we, sh we want to be connected, not isolated. Um, so, yeah, I think, and there's lots of ways this comes across. In my work with kids, the thing that springs to my mind is one of those strong social determinants of, of child well-being is that the child's read to every day. Children that are read to out of a book. And I ask my patients this. This is the concentration question. I say, will your child sit on your lap and be read an appropriate book that's, that's stimulating? And if you compare that to a screen, because all children will sit in front of a screen and zone out. But the children that have difficulty sitting still have concentration issues if they can't sit with a book. So, you know, and that unpacks a bigger picture. So I guess my, yeah, my answer is holism is, is really about, you know, we're not a machine. We're connected. We have zillions of microbes in us and it's that diversity is beautiful and wonderful. And when we're not alone, we're part of it. And uh, we, we should embrace it and recognize it. And certainly it's, it's becoming more prevalent in mainstream science and medicine, although they use different, they would never use the word holism. They, they would maybe use other terms, but that's okay because I, I don't want to get caught up in, in the vernacular hoo-ha. That's, that's not my interest. I'm, I'm not here to, to be argumentative. Well, yeah, I'm happy to have arguments with people, but I'm, my, my intention for patients is to get them from where they sit when they come to see me and where they want to go as fast as possible with no BS in between. And, and I say that to all of them because, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> fabulous definition of holism. And uh, no, we don't exist uh, I, in, in, a, in a vacuum as such, you know. And I, I really, <clears throat> excuse me, like the way you brought up um, the whole thing around AI as well because I've seen it with a lot of children you know they are my even my nephews and they're just there in front of the screen a lot you know and I can see that it even affects their their ability in some ways to be social and to socialize yeah that thing of reading the books I actually even as an adult I love if someone reads stories to me or reads to me I really enjoy that it does yeah. it really does something to the brain or or to you you know I think you can, you, that's right I mean you can even get it with an audio book yeah that's right and I have friends that go, you know, they have long drives. I have one friend in particular. She drives, has to drive three hours, four hours to her see her father regularly. And she got into audiobooks and she just loves, loves it, you know, really loves it. But you're right, I never thought of that. I could have a story read to me. And it's lovely when you get someone with a really resonant, beautiful voice as well. And... There's another question I wanted to ask you, because we have a lot of people that can practice here in Ireland in natural and, uh, you know, holistic medicines and various different modalities as well. And it's relatively easy to do. Um, but what's it like in Australia? 
is is it more acceptable or are they still very much in the allopathic side of things which is all over the world i know yes i mean australia is australia is a teenage nation so on on the globe yeah australia should be looked at like a teenager mm -hmm. so we don't really like to be told what to do and we're just going to work it out ourselves um <laughs> that that uh Holistic medicine is still very much uh, on the fringe, and it, but it's interesting because more than half Australians will take some sort of supplemental vitamin or maybe even see a practitioner. So people want it, but the the bureaucracy and and maybe the old guard of allopathic medicine that somehow feel threatened. I don't know what it is. Um, certainly don't embrace it. But saying that, there are still, and, and there are greater numbers happening as time goes on of allied health practitioners that recognise the virtue of nutritional medicine and herbal medicine and treatments like acupuncture and so on and so forth. So I think um, what, what I do is I don't let it, bog me down and, and feel like it's uh, it's a battle that, that can't be won. I just stay focused on how I can help people. And um, I guess the, the, the trick here is no one, there's no regulations to be a naturopath in Australia. So anyone can hang up a shingle and call themselves a naturopath. So I make a point of letting my patients know and advertising that I'm a degree qualified naturopath and I do that because I want people to understand that I have specific training, not only in how to heal the body, but I understand things like biochemistry and anatomy and physiology. And that is very important um, when it comes to using herbs or vitamins and understanding if there's interactions with medications. And I think it's very important to consult someone that, that has that qualification and that experience so they don't put you in a, in a in a potentially harmful situation because there can be that illusion that, oh, it's natural, it's not going to harm me. Well, there's a lot of things that can kill you pretty swiftly. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, I, think, I think it's changing, but it'll be a slow time in, in Australia for it to get, you know, up to speed as, as being, you know, accepted. And you're right, it is important that you do have uh, a good solid background in anything that you do, you know, and then people will trust you more. Um, so what, what, there's been a lot of stress in the world in the last two or three years, as, as we all know. So where to from here, do you think, in a world experiencing a lot of pressure uh, on on so many levels like where where do you think you would be going with your work and that and what do you think of all of that in general yeah i think i think that the, the pressure it's uh, everyone recognizes the pressure everyone recognizes that the the field changes very swiftly and unpredictably and I think a lot of people are feeling concerned and worried. I think one way of moving forward, and certainly that that I'm embracing, is connecting with community. And your micro networks are going to be where you create a lot of strength. And something that's just came to my head is the micro network, so that the little the little areas add up to a large surface area. And it's funny. One of the things I do so much in my work is is heal the, the large surface area by, by, of the small intestine when people have leaky gut, which happens to maybe 80% of chronic people. I, I heal these, this small area by, by rebuilding the, the small network tight junctions using particular things. But I think we can fortify ourselves by repairing and by acknowledging that those small networks are really, really important. And I think, look, Now's the time. Now is the time to take up the hobby, to take the holiday, to, to take your long service leave. 
to learn the instrument you always wanted to learn. Um, adjust your work-life balance. Uh, yeah, so it's little things like that. It's, it's almost like I remind myself, I, I'm kind of, what I'm doing in my personal life is that I'm stripping back things to, to kind of break the layers of the onion and try to break down the ego to get to this place of, you know, where I can, I can recognize the beauty in, in death and, and also being alive and the connecting connection I have to, to everything in terms of working with my patients it's about the small things, because a lot of people, a lot of parents are coming in really stressed that their kids' lives have been turned upside down by, by homeschooling that's worked for some and hasn't worked for, for others. And sometimes it's one family where one child's good and two aren't, or there's children with high needs. Um, that, um, so it's, it's getting the little wings in there. So it could be take a yoga class. Deep, just breathe deeply. Just take your shoes off and appreciate the sensation the grass gives you on your feet. And you've got some beautiful grass. You know, and so I guess, yeah, it's it's stopping to be present. And we, we live in a remarkable dynamic time on a remarkable planet. And it's good to practice gratitude, empathy. And that really helps us have this loving kindness to being mindful and present as we witness our, our, our moving forward in time and space. You bring tears to my eyes in saying that because it really, you know, we, it's, it's, it's our small communities, it's the people we love. It's really the small things, you're right. Um, that give you the joy, small little bits of joy here and there just add up as the more small things that you do. And I've really found that myself, especially, you know, in the last couple of years and coming out of it at the other end as well. Um, it's It's been important for me. The most important thing I found of it all was love, you know, that you love, that you have love in your life. And that you have friendship and that you have, um, like you say, uh, your, your, your micro community. I love that. It's really, it's really a, a lovely idea and a lovely image <laughs> of it as well. It really is. Oh, gosh, Tim, this has just been a, a very uplifting conversation for me. Is there anything else that I missed or anything else that you would like to say that you didn't get the chance to say? earlier i think you've covered everything jill you've been wonderfully <laughs> attentive and you've you've allowed me to indulge oh <laughs> i love I that feel, <laughs> I, I i feel um i feel very grateful and uh look i hope your your listeners can um yeah maybe some of these ideas resonate with them or maybe they they want a little bit more information or they, yeah, you know, I, it'll maybe it'll plant seeds that'll help them grow those connections and take them where they need to go in their journey of, of, of living full, healthy, vital, vibrant lives. Um, you know, that's, so I, I, for you, for, I'd like to say thank you to you for this opportunity and I'd like to appreciate and say thank you to your listeners for, for being present thank you yeah thank you and uh tim how can people get in touch with you i know that you prefer in person uh mostly but you also do online you do a little bit of online work as well um i do i i i have so our website eluvi which is e-l-u-v-i.com.au if you Google uh, naturopath and you put my name in, Tim Howden, you'll find me. One of the things I would like to say is I, I have I have a wonderful, um, I, I do bioresonance testing, which is a concept that was actually invented in the 1960s by a German physician called Dr. Reinhard Tholl. 
and it measures electromagnetic imbalances in the body. It's a very specialized, highly sensitive machine. This is something that I do with people in clinic, but I can also do it remotely because it tests connective tissue. So people will often send me a hair sample and then we will, I'll test the hair and then we will have a consultation in a similar format to we're doing now on online on Zoom or something similar. And we can actually go through the case. And um, while I can't do physical examinations, I am able to get a snapshot of things like nails and tongue and, and get a good clear sense of, of what's going on for the person. And, and in a lot of cases, Jill, it's a good, it can be a good first step or a catalyst for people to then build on that and be able to regain a sense of vitality. Because I think a lot of people either try to work it out with Dr. Google or they go to the maybe the pharmacy or the health food store, which in and of itself is not necessarily a problem. But as I've always said, the devil's in the detail. If you the question is, do you need a supplement? Yes or no? Is it therapeutic? Yes or no? How long do you need to take it for? What's it doing? So all those technical points, that's why you see a qualified person um, because the difference, the, the number of people that I see that get a diagnosis of a food intolerance and then they're not told how to fix it, yeah, I, it flabbergasts me. So anyway, I won't go on about that. People can reach out and I'm happy to... Um, to have conversations and help people, you know, steer them where they need to go. Uh, that's great. Uh, I might even avail of that myself with you um, <laughs> because, you know, because I have been very interested in looking into uh, bioresonance machines and healing myself, you know, for when I finish up in the, the current work that I do, I'm thinking about that long term. So I'd really mm. like to have a conversation with you about that. Um, that's great, Tim. Yeah. Mm. And I will be posting Wonderful. on the show notes. I'll be posting your link anyway and your contact details. Wonderful. So people will have that. And presumably we're moving in in a couple of weeks time to a less of a time distance between us. Who's currently 11, but it'll be nine in a few weeks time over the summer. <clears throat> So thank you so much, Tim. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and is that, and I've actually learned quite a lot from you as well. And I hope our listeners do <laughs> too. So thank you for listening to Lady Time. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tim. If you did, please do share it with your family, your friends and on your social media. You can find us on our Facebook page on Lady Time Podcast and see what we're up to. We post all of our links there. And until our next episode, bye for now.